The Kingfisher Chronicles, Episode 10, The Quantox Principle. So you're telling me, asked Raphael, addressing the room, that because of the subroutines hidden in this robot's memory banks, we now have access to the entire Garizani pirate network? Ajax looked to Gromgrom for a response. Mm, affirmative, he beeped. Battle plans? Combat logs? Mission reports? Raphael continued. Mr. Nine frowned. You know, you, you could just direct your questions to him, he said, confused. Ajax took the silence to mean that Raphael had no intention of doing that, so turned to Gromgron again. Mm, affirmative. And within this vast library of encoded data, we found an invoice to Quantoxco billing them for the destruction of the Esmeralda, as well as confirmation that the assassin that snuck aboard our ship was purchased by Quantoxco to take us down? Nine rolled his eyes as the questions came from Raphael incessantly. He's right there! Why don't you ask him? shouted Ajax, raising his voice. No, I... Raphael looked more uncomfortable than a game of Jajenga that had gone on for just that bit too long. Robots... Robots freak me out. Ones like this, anyway. They're really weird. They're not human, but they act human and it gives me the shivers. I think it's the faces, the friendly expression makes me think I should trust them, but I can't help but sense the secret malice behind the eyes of every robot I've ever met. There was a pause as everybody digested this information. What the fuck are you talking about? asked Ajax earnestly. The crew had assembled for mission prep on Kyphoid, the second moon of Malaskas, and had a lot of planning to do if the raid on Alkanost Prime was going to go smoothly. Information stored deep within Gromgron's cranial data centers had revealed that their first ship, the Esmeralda, was being held under lock and key by a small army of Lacusians, and they were all determined to do anything and everything in their power to get it back. Gromgrom was no exception. Since the escape from Eomaga, he had relentlessly pursued the crew of the Kingfisher. After being dropped off for a full surface and info clean on Malaskas, Ajax had found him attached to the exterior of the ship, having clamped on during launch. And even after being allowed on board, Gromgrom seemed to have a real problem with distancing himself from the others. Frequently, Mr. Nine had gone for a quick fluid exchange and found Gromgrom on the ceiling of the cubicle. The space cops had desperately wanted to extract all the information from him to allow them to prosecute Quantosco, but they were having a bit of a job pinning him down. Raphael had agreed that this tiny moon could serve as the best compromise between all parties, despite Nine's protestations that he would never return to within a hundred systems of Malaskas after his ordeal at the hands of, to quote Nine, a contemptible squog bug who wouldn't know a fair case if it hit us straight in the bald blue forehead. All smouldering resentments aside, Mr. Nine had come up with a genius plan for a risk-free infiltration. He planned to use Gromgrom's eclectic mix of pirate tech to create a mirage. The animated image of a fully grown Lacusian officer would be projected onto each person through a series of microscopic cameras embedded into the robot's torso. This way, they could go undetected and there would be no casualties. Nine was confident that the plan was crunknut-proof. Gromgrom has assured me that our chances are looking good. Everything will work out smooth, like blubber, he said. Everything has not worked out smooth like blubber, 
screamed Ajax as he flung his weight at the vault door in a desperate attempt to keep the Lacusian soldiers from getting in. Pincers gnashed at the gap he had been just unable to fill, the beetle's jaws clambering to taste his scaly flesh. Out of nowhere, Gromgrom flew through the air like a randy kangalangaroo, his energy scimitar finding purchase in the skull of one of the Lacusians. This finally enabled Ajax to heave the door shut. The crew were pretty worse for wear. Whilst infiltrating the Lacusian base had gone relatively well, they had unfortunately been discovered in the midst of trying to break into the vault's outer door, as Ajax had caught sight of his own face in the chrome plating, which had led to Gromgrom's projections being distorted with all the incessant shaking. The damn beetles had been all too quick to raise the alarm. Ajax had refused to take any responsibility. You told a bit of a sporky pie, didn't you? He exhaled to the robot. Mm, negative. My calculations were flawless, said Gromgrom. Mm, I could not, however, anticipate how inefficient you would be at incapacitating our opponents. There's no time for sass, you big rustpot. Nine had lost a couple of fingers to the razor-sharp pincers, but at least he had spares on the Kingfisher. We're about to be inundated with a serious insect problem. What did you say? Asked Ajax quietly. We're about to be inundated with... You know it's inundated, right? Tell me you know it's inundated, Raphael said flatly. Well, what did I say? Nine was confused. Ajax rolled his eyes. You said inundated. Balls, no I didn't, insisted Mr. Nine. But hang on, that's the word anyway, isn't it? Don't think so, Ajax commented. Raphael looked at the ground and spoke softly and clearly. You have undated when something is without a date, outdated when something is obsolete, backdated when you use an earlier date than you're supposed to, updated... Mm, it's been years since I've been updated, said Gromgrom sadly, as he hacked through the wall terminal to get the crew through to the second and final door to the vault. Mr. Nine raised himself to his full height. In, un, out, updated, I couldn't give a drogy dropping what the phrase is. Whatever the hell it is, we're about to be it. At that moment, a crack appeared in the concrete wall. All four members of the crew turned to look as it grew rapidly. The small cement flecks that fell to the floor became huge, solid chunks. Bored with trying to push their way through the door, the Lacusians had started to eat their way in. Gromgron let out a little excited beep as the secondary door swung open and the entire group flung themselves inside as the enormous beetles swarmed into the vault's airlock behind them. The vault was dark, save for a single strip of green light either side of a large metal box, which stood on a small platform in the middle about 40 paces from the door. Engaging his night vision, Nine could see that the sides of the room were littered with aging weaponry and armour. He could identify an ancient Falgorian trident and a very nice set of spiked Hulalol combat pyjamas, but what was made immediately clear to him was that this vault was much bigger than they had imagined. Refining the gamma balance of his vision even further, he saw that the room wasn't a room at all. It was a gargantuan empty cylinder dug straight into the rock. Scanning upwards, he saw that there were at least 50 levels of storage. He could only guess at the value of the score they had just stumbled upon. Or rather, he couldn't guess. When talking about credits, thinking about how many zeros that would be rendered him rather speechless. Well, bloody hell! How do we find the Esmeralda in all this? asked Ajax. Nine snapped out of his financial daydream and said simply that he'd obviously just used the key which he pulled from one of his pockets. One small click and tiny orange lights flashed just to the left, accompanied by a happy little beep. 
A rudimental and dated system it may have been, but as Mr. Nine was so fond of saying, the old ways are always best, mostly. Raphael's eyes finally adjusted to the dark, and upon seeing the metal box, immediately he got very excited. That's it! That's the crate from Kraton 4! he yelped. Somebody asked Gromgrom to get it open. The robot sighed loudly. Raphael could be a real twat sometimes. Gromgrom began to brute force hack the passcode lock. It didn't take him long. One click later and the chest hissed. As it began to open, a loud whirring noise circled the room. It quickly got louder and much higher in pitch. Raphael, do you know what kind of weapon this box contains? Asked Ajax, quite a lot more nervously than he had ever sounded before. Come to think of it, no, Raphael said sheepishly. The pressure that had been inside the crate erupted through the vault, knocking everything in a visible radius over, including the crew of the Kingfisher. A thick fog came with it, blinding them all. Gromgron started conducting frantic scans of the area to work out what was going on. Ajax swung his arms wildly to attack potential enemies, and Raphael simply curled up into the fetal position and began to gently weep. Mr. Nine, however, boosted his ocular receptors in order to penetrate the mist. He could make out something, and that something was coming towards them. At first, the figure appeared human. Long, ebony hair flowed down a silver torso. Its limbs seemed almost translucent. They shined in a luminescent way and changed shape slightly as the glow was refracted through them. An effervescent energy filled the vault as its eyes opened and shone with a yellow light. Christ, I can breathe again? Thank the maker, it said. Wait, where's the sun? Why is it so dark? Gromgrom was the only one who wasn't too terrified to answer. Mm, we are at present 38.5 clicks under the surface. He said blankly. No, that won't do, the figure replied. Leaping into the air, it made a beeline for the top of the vault, bringing its arms together ahead of it to form a point. The crew thought for a second that it would collide with the roof, but it seemed to dissolve through the rock like candy floss in a puddle. A few seconds later, it reappeared, slamming back down onto the platform with a full superhero landing. That's no weapon, said Nine slowly. That's a woman. I actually think that she's both, corrected Raphael. I mean, I was expecting a big bazooka, but this could also work. Who are you? asked Ajax, doe-eyed and amazed. Margan, do you have a vessel? Does it have guns? She replied bluntly. Margan, Ajax echoed. Do you have a ship? Margan repeated. Nine was confused. Why? he questioned. The ceiling's not thick. These Lacusians can tunnel with the best of them, but they don't know jack about construction. I suppose that's what happens when you're in the business of destruction, she said. She put two fingers to her temple. I sense at least 400 burrowing through the walls of this place right now. We're about to be inundated. Raphael laughed and gave some serious side-eye to Mr. Nine. Nine saw this and started to stew in a state of silent fury. Raphael could be a real twat sometimes. Where is your ship? Margan asked again. Even from a distance, it was clear that the Esmeralda would not be flyable. A few engine modules were missing, and several panels had been badly damaged in the crash. Nine nodded at Gromgrom. Mm, retrieving the Kingfisher, he beeped, as he took remote control of their new ship. Arm up! shouted Nine. Upon inspecting the wreckage of the Esmeralda, the crew was delighted to find nearly all their lost treasures. 
Mr Nine let out a gleeful little noise as his feet slipped back into his Yomnian leather driving slippers. Margan took a liking to Ajax's Sporky and Gatling gun, so he was all too happy to hand it over, claiming that he had been meaning to get another one anyway. For this, Raphael gave him some knowing glances too. Ajax also thought that Raphael could be a real twat sometimes. A moment later, there was an enormous crash as the Kingfisher smashed through the roof of the vault. Nine threw Grumgrum a look that said, Could you seriously not, though? We paid top credits for that. But the robot was oblivious. The ship landed on the platform, and everybody, carrying as much dusty loot as they could, scrambled on board. Ajax had decided to give the Esmeralda a retro Viking funeral, and so started the timer on some old bango bombs that had been leaning casually against a wall. The explosions were still audible as the ship entered the upper atmosphere. Ajax couldn't stop laughing. He got such a thrill from causing untold destruction. He was about to raise a toast to the million dead Lucasians when he turned and caught sight of something on the viewscreen. He stopped laughing. Um, hard to starboard, he said, dazed. A colossal bang rocked the cabin of the Kingfisher and the crew were thrown to the ground. Margan held on and yelled through the chaos. Holy shit, bits! It's the Karak Herculean! In an instant, the Kingfisher was eclipsed by a monstrous shadow. The Quantox Co logo was seared roughly onto one side of the prisms that housed mammoth booster engines. The main body of the ship was an angular pyramid mounted with double Laser X cannon bodies, too many to count. The Dreadnought-class battleship was feared to be nothing but a terrifying rumour that parents used to scare their kids into doing hard labour. Nobody knew how many ships it had destroyed, but survivors of the encounters would often pass out when asked about it, which is exactly what Mr Nine did upon seeing it. Terrible timing! shouted Ajax as he sprinted down the corridor to the gunner deck. Grumgrum pushed Nine's unconscious body off the pilot's chair and sat down. Mm, one more blast and the Kingfisher's high-density Terrapin shield will almost certainly fail, he said as he read the dials on the main console. Use the cloaking device, cried Raphael. He pressed the button and the ship faded from view. They already know we're here, Margan shouted back at him. Do I have to do everything myself? Grabbing her Gatling gun and with two fingers once again on her temple and an intense look in her eye, she aimed seemingly at the middle of the wall. Get out! I'll prepare to hold your breath for a very long time, she said to Raphael, who didn't need asking twice. He was up, out, and three airlocks closed behind him in an instant. Magnetize! Margan shouted at Grumgron, who locked himself onto the floor of the cabin and grabbed hold of Mr. Nine's unconscious body. Mm, you must understand that compromising the hull of the ship can and likely will result in termination, reeled off Grumgron, like he was reading terms and conditions. I didn't ask! She retorted as she stuck her feet to the floor. This is gonna need some goddamn lens flare! Leaning back, she opened fire, letting a cascade of nitro bullets riddle the cockpit's panelling. They shredded through the outer layer of the ship and sped through the vacuum, catching the Karak exactly where Margaret had aimed, the primary exhaust port. Shots ricocheted down the tube and into the main reactor, which cracked open. A huge jet of toxic waste began to flood the engine compartment, and a thick smog began to billow from all main external vents. The dreadnought had, for now, been disabled. The Kingfisher's force field kicked in and temporarily sealed the countless holes in the cabin. Was that me? Ajax crackled over the comms. Raphael strolled back into the cabin, threw his hat on the side, and fell into a chair. 
Phew! That cloaking device was a good idea, eh? Pretty good that I'm on board, he said with genuine glee. Margan frowned. She didn't really know Raphael, but she was guessing that he could be a real twat sometimes. Aboard the smoking Quantox ship, General Tarmit looked out the viewscreen at the flash of light that indicated the ship they'd been pursuing had entered a lightspeed tunnel. The rage on his face was insurmountable. His moustache twitched as he gnashed his teeth. A shaking lieutenant walked slowly up behind him. Sir, the ship has escaped. Do you think I am a moron? The words fell out of the general's mouth like a plummeting comet. The lieutenant was a tiny moon facing impending doom. But, sir, the Karak Herculean is too damaged. We must return to base to repair before we can... A laser blast to the torso stopped the lieutenant in his tracks. He fell to the floor, the hole in his chest still sizzling. The general turned to face the terrified audience of crew who recoiled in fear as he carefully placed his weapon back into its holster. Is there not one creature on this vessel that can bring me some semblance of a tactically advantageous plan? Is that impossible for you, Dallards? They should not have been able to escape, he said calmly. Failure is unacceptable. We need that weapon. General Tarmit's eyes burned with hatred. He breathed in deeply, filling his lungs, then screaming at the top of his voice. He slammed his fists down onto the nearest cadet. Get me the Kingfisher! To be continued. The humble wamble rang. They gather near the prairie, just opposite Woolworth's, in the spring to mate. The females have a tendency to pick their favourite male by two criteria. The longest neck for foraging the highest gumbleberries, and smallest feet, because wamblerang shoes are expensive. Confidence is key, but this male has danced so aggressively at his chosen female that his copy of the News of the Worlds has fallen out of his jean shorts, and she's lost interest. This plucky male thinks he has a shot. Oh, but no. She's actually seen his inverted penis. Another potential suitor here. He's doing all the right moves with his fur, but she seems to have noticed the Spandau Ballet on the iPod Touch, so she's moved on. Look, a long-toothed Richterwolf. This sneak predator will make quick work of the feeble pack of Wamblerangs. Ah, oh, it's probably best that we cut to an advertisement. <laughs> Well, we'll have that cleaned up by the time you visit the Eomargan Galactic Zoo, home to the largest, uh, smallest collection of Wamblerangs in the quadrant. <laughs> <laughs>